Well, let's go to Lubbock, Texas, and talk some Red Raiders with Jared Johnson, publisher of InsideTheRedRaiders.com, a 24-7 site. Joining us here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com, I'm Pete Mundo. And before we discuss what the heck's going on in Lubbock, uh, let's remind you about leaving a rating and a review for the podcast. It does help tremendously as we grow the show. The ratings and the reviews are enormous ways for us to continue to build the audience organically thanks to you. And that's why we have Heartland College Sports koozies that we send you for free. If you leave us a rating and a review and send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Just a little way for me to say thank you to you guys. So leave that rating and review. Send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. All right, Jarrett, let's get right into it with this team. And and obviously what has been thus far a, a disappointing season. What is the sense around Lubbock, around the program, the fan base about Mount Wells in year two? Ooh, man, that's kind of a loaded question there, Pete. But uh, first off, <laughs> first off, thanks for having me on. I always enjoy being on the show. Uh, well, I, you know, needless to say, after uh, a very, I, I'll be, I'll be gentle here, a highly questionable decision to kick a 37-yard field goal on second and four with about three minutes left to go in Fort Worth last week in a nine-point game. Um, there are a lot of people that kind of threw their hands up in the air um, and expressed their frustrations with, with that decision and just all the losing in general, uh, Pete, it's, you know, they've, they've only won two games so far this year. One of those being against Houston Baptist. And I think a lot of people saw that game against TCU as winnable and uh, it just wasn't a good performance. And there've been some questionable calls. That's just the, uh, the, the nicest way to say it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think back to the overtime loss to Texas and, and how maybe the fortunes are different. Now, I'm sure you saw this, Jared, but we go back to that game in late September, and with three minutes left, the Red Raiders had like a 98.7% chance of winning that game by the yeah. odds makers or something. How much did that loss really set the tone for what has been a disappointing season? You know, that's a good point because – or a good question because uh, – on one hand, yeah, they blew it, and I think a lot of fans were exasperated. But on the other, you know, in talking with a lot of people, players, and people inside the program, it also gave them uh, a lot of confidence that they could compete because they were coming off a game just prior to that where they just barely beat Houston Baptist. I mean, they were a two-point conversion away by from Houston Baptist from it possibly going to overtime. So, I mean, that was, uh, you know, that was scary for the Red Raiders. And then – you, you know, you fast forward a couple of weeks and you, you know, take Texas, who was a top 10 or top 15, I can't remember, uh, you know, a ranked team at the at the time. So, yeah, it was a little bit of both. They were, um, obviously, you blow a 15-point lead, like, uh, with three minutes left. It's embarrassing, gut-wrenching, all that, but also it kind of gave some of the team uh, hope for the future. Now, they hadn't played out. What's played out is that these uh, mistakes late in games have really cost Texas Tech. I mean, they had a fourth-quarter lead against Kansas State. Obviously, they were at least in the game. They had uh, momentum against uh, TCU going for them, and uh, they missed that field goal effectively ending it. So there's just been – it's been frustrating to see these late-game struggles really cost the Red Raiders. Mm-hmm. 
Jared, what, what's going on at quarterback? Like, I, I get the move to Henry Columbia. He's got more mobility in the pocket. Um, he can pick up a couple yards with his legs. Alan Bowman can't do that. And Alan Bowman really hasn't looked like the same guy to me since Cliff Kingsbury left. I don't know if that's uh, if that's just a coincidence or what the deal is. But then again, Columbia, you know, he's not a guy that's going to lead you to a comeback win. He's not good from behind. That's not who he is. Are they that down in Allen Bowman? Are they still that high in Columbia? What's going on at that position? Yeah, that's a complicated. That's another complicated question there to answer because, to me, from my perspective, um, yeah, Bowman hadn't been the same really since his second collapsed lung injury, which was against Oklahoma his freshman season. Um, he just never really re- has recovered from that. He's just been kind of different his mechanics have been different in the pocket he's seen and who could blame a guy who's had two collapsed lungs right uh in a couple months but he just hasn't really been the same confident player hasn't been nearly as accurate Uh, and that was the case uh his sophomore year before he went down uh with a separated shoulder against arizona and then with columbia you know i i think to say he can't bring him back i don't he hasn't done it yet i mean he he brought them back. He gave them a lead against Kansas State in the fourth quarter before the defense fell apart. So I think he is capable, but they have problems at tackle. Like the problem on offense against TCU, it was a little bit of everything. Play calling, execution from the receivers, the quarterback, yes. But they gave up – I think they were given, they had given up seven sacks going into that game, and they gave up five sacks against TCU. And the main – the whole offensive line struggled, but – specifically the tackles and specifically at left tackle is where uh, a lot of big 12 defenses are really attacking Texas tech. And it's really hindering anything, any kind of plays downfield uh, for Columbia right now. So Jared, as, as you look at uh, the other side of the ball, uh, the defense brought in a lot of power five transfers, you know, notable guys who had done it at the power five level. Uh, They bring them in. It seems like a decent strategy, especially given, you know, this kind of strange COVID season, it doesn't seem like it's really paying off uh, on that side of the ball. Is is there something missing there? Do you see that side of the ball starting to gel, or is it just not there yet? You know, the secondary is never going to be very good this year. I mean, it's no matter, like, it doesn't matter. They're just, what happens, they're not going to be that good. Now, they had a pretty good game against TCU, but in my opinion, that's really just because of the, the deficiency the Horn Frogs have on offense as much as anything. Um, they're giving up way too many points, not getting enough turnovers, but I will say this. I feel like the defense played good enough to put tech in the game, to have them, you know, give them a chance to compete for a victory. The offense was terrible, especially in the first half. Um, and then special teams has been, what was expected to be a real advantage has been just a disaster for Texas tech. I mean, I think they've had four punts blocked including two against TCU. Uh, you know, they just converted their first field goal of the season on Saturday. So it took them over six games to, to make a field goal, uh, which I, I think that had to be the only situation like that in, in the country uh, without looking at it. Um, their, their coverage units haven't been very good. So it's not just the defense. Statistically, they look terrible, but I, you know, and maybe it's just because I'm so used to seeing <laughs> bad defense covering Texas Tech over the years, but uh, to me, they've at least allowed the Red Raiders to be competitive, which I think is uh, all that the fan base has asked for in recent years. And we're going to continue with Jared Johnson inside the Red Raiders. I'm Pete Mundo. And by the way, guys, we've only got about a month left in the college football season. Can you believe it? 
but there's still time to get in with our friends at mybookie.com, where with the promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, you get a 100% sign-up bonus. That means whatever you want your deposit to be, 100, 200, 300, whatever, they're going to give you a 100% free sign-up bonus. So if you want to bet on this weekend's games, only a couple of games of the Big 12, but the spreads are razor thin, by the way. I mean, both are within a field goal. Got West Virginia TCU, Texas Tech, Baylor, two close games, and I'll be making my picks on the show. And by the way, our picks are above 500. So join us at mybookie.com. And even if you like to bet the NFL, you can bet the NFL, any other college games, whatever you want to do, and get free money. I, you can't beat it. You don't have to like unlock it. It's just right into your account with the promo code BIG12 for that 100% sign-up bonus at mybookie.com. Jared Johnson, inside the RedRaiders.com, is joining us here on the show. So, uh, Jared, as you look at what is happening, you know, off the field, some of the trends that we that we like to look at when a team isn't necessarily doing well, what's happening on the recruiting trail, are recruits hanging with the Red Raiders? What is that storyline like right now? Because that obviously also tells us a little bit about what the thinking is about the program outside of the program. Yeah, in terms of volume, it's not very good. But in terms of uh, quality, it's very good. As a matter, as a matter of fact, uh, last I saw, according to 24-7 Sports, uh, Tech's average ranking per commit was fourth in, in the Big 12 behind OU, UT, and West Virginia. Um, that's headlined by four-star uh, quarterback Baron Morton. He's one of, you know, if he signs, which I think I talked to him a week ago, and he's definitely – still on board and helping recruit, uh, you know, hope, helping the coaching staff recruit. He's expected to be an early signee, be on campus in the spring. Uh, but uh, Morton is the, ling- the, the ringleader, the guy who's really helping bring a lot of the other commits in. They got two of their top offensive linemen uh, targets, some pretty good defensive uh, line guys that Tech normally doesn't even sniff. Um, Duran Bradley is a 6'5 receiver, a four-star guy, DeSoto. Uh, Cameron Valdez is the number five ranked running back in Texas, which Tech normally doesn't get a running back uh, rated that highly. So there are some really nice pieces. Um, it's an interesting recruiting cycle. I think, as everybody knows, just because of Corona and the blanket waiver where you could have a, a you know a number of seniors returning. And what's that cap going to be? Is it going to be an 85 scholarship limit? And how many will Texas Tech in this kind of environment uh, fiscal environment, how many guys will Tech be able to give a scholarship to? You know, so it's going to be a really interesting uh, recruiting cycle in terms of numbers, but the the quality is certainly there uh, in, in terms of uh, Texas Tech standards. Well, that's a good sign. Uh, that is a very good sign, and that's something that Tech fans should be encouraged by. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, and I've seen the talk, and I know you've seen the talk, the rumor mill running, the fan base is upset. I, I get all of that. But what is a realistic approach in terms of, you know, Matt Wells coming into this job, taking this program over, and what the expectations should be and what the lease should be as well? Well, that's a good question. You know, again, man, you're you're on fire today. You're all over. Well, hey, you you know, there's so much going on with this program. It's easy for me to ask the questions. But that's why I brought you on, Jared, because you're going to answer the tough ones. Well, you know, I think at this point they have three games left, and I think, if you just look at it on paper, two of them are winnable. You know, I mean, Baylor, they just announced they lost their leading rusher and one of the top defensive players in the conference. 
Um, and they just kind of, uh, Corona's really seemed to affect them perhaps more than anybody uh, in the conference. Maybe it's because they have a new coaching staff, you know, um, that makes sense. Or, you know, new head coach, but they transition and everything. Uh, that's a difficult situation. So I'm not, certainly not penciling in as a victory, but I'm saying Tech playing at home against uh, Baylor, you could at least see it happening. And then Kansas is the season finale. You have Oklahoma State between that, which is a tough matchup, though. Tech has beaten them each of the last two seasons. So, I mean, if they could finish, uh, you know, have a strong finish, maybe perhaps win two, at least two of those games, that would go a long way towards, I think, bridging this season with so many things. We've already mentioned, you know, COVID, how it's, uh, you know, hindered so many people, so many programs. And then the fact that it is uh, Coach Wells' second season. And then just the, the fiscal deal. I mean, they're still paying Kingsbury. I think they have one, at least one more payment to Kingsbury. Um, and then uh, Coach Wells is due 70%. He guaranteed at least 70% of his contract uh, for it, – it's a six-year contract, so throughout. So that's a lot of money. And then, and then the rest of his staff, wh- what they would owe. And then to, to bring in a completely new staff, uh, hypothetically, that would be – I mean, that's asking a lot for really any program. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely Texas Tech uh, during this climate where, I mean, they've already they've had to, they're like a lot of programs around the country, but they were forced to lay off 20 employees within the athletic department. They um, just basically canceled 20 other open positions. And then a lot of the, the staff that is still uh, on staff had to take pay cuts. So that's the reality, uh, you know, 2020 this year, which is mercifully almost over, but uh so, you know, while there will probably be some big money donors who are willing to step up to the plate, what, what all goes with that, you know, goes along with that. So these are a lot of questions that <laughs> Kirby Hulkett, the athletic director, certainly didn't ask me about, but uh, there's, there's a lot of things in play right now. There are a lot of unhappy people around the Texas Tech program, but I don't know how realistic it is to actually replace Matt Wells. Now, everybody else? I, uh, you know, we'll have to see how, how the rest of the season goes. Yeah. Jarrett, last thing for you on the big 12 in general, take us through where you think this conference is right now and what you think we are looking at come the big 12 championship game in a little bit over a month. And heck there are what uh, four teams that can make a strong case as of right now. I think Oklahoma looks really tough. Spencer Rattler is really coming on. I, I hate to be captain obvious to say Oklahoma, but he really impressed me with, the performance in Lubbock and not really just that he was doing it against Texas tech, obviously their secondary struggle, but his arm talent was such that honestly, and I hate to throw this out there, but it reminded me of Mahomes in terms mm-hmm. of his accuracy, uh, his deep ball arm talent and accuracy on those deep balls to where he can throw across the field, deep balls that a lot of quarterbacks, even in the big 12 can't do. I mean, he could just do certain things and beat certain strategies Whereas a defensive coordinator, you just have to throw your hands up in the air. So now whether he's clutch, or, you know, whether he's going to continue to be clutch, obviously he wasn't overtime against Texas. Uh, you know, so I think there's still a lot of questions about Rattler, but if he can play at a high level, then they're going to be tough to beat. That's the bottom line. And then the other team I really like, and they were my preseason selection to be big tool chance, which a lot of people laughed at me for, but uh, is Iowa State. I think they just – the combination of Matt Campbell – uh, and you just some of the pieces they have, the things they're able to do on defense. Uh, you know, I just obviously the quarterback position is very good. Um, they have seemed to have like eight monster tight ends that are all matchup problems. Their offensive line seems to be 
uh, coming along, obviously one of the best running backs in, the, in conference. I just think they're a really good team, and I think that would be a heck of a Big 12 championship game. I could not agree more. He's Jared Johnson doing great work at InsideTheRedRaiders.com. Jared, great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. And do not forget about our friends at MyBookie.com. That promo code is BIG12 for a 100% sign-up bonus. Yes, 100% out of the gates with the promo code BIG12. And guys, leave us that rating, review, uh, subscribe to the podcast. It helps so much more than you realize. We're getting more listeners every week because of you doing that little simple thing. Hit subscribe. Take 30 seconds, leave us a rating and a review, and then send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we'll get you a Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. You guys are awesome. We'll talk to you soon.